This is the Sean Campbell Show, a podcast for the aspiring and hungry entrepreneur. Hey, everybody, it's Sean Campbell, the Sean Campbell Show, the podcast by entrepreneurs, for entrepreneurs, for the aspiring entrepreneur and the the one who's been in business for a year up to 15 years. We're here to hope to inspire you and motivate you and share a little bit of our trials and tribulations, our highs and lows, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I'm starting with one of the best podcasts that I know I'll ever have, no matter how long I do this for. I have a phenomenal guest for you today. Whatever you're doing, kick back for, what, maybe 20, 30 minutes or so, and you're going to get a tremendous uh, amount of uh, information. You're going to have a, share a few stories with uh, Brian Lawson from Webmo. Brian and I get together monthly, and he was one of the many inspirations that I've had because I've had so many unbelievable conversations the last four years with business owners, whether it's over a beer or having a burger or a coffee or just we randomly meet downtown somewhere. And the conversations, I always walk away 99% of the time with Brian saying, damn, I wish I was on a podcast. So now today I have Brian right in front of me. Thank you, Brian, for being here. Thanks, Sean. Happy to be here. Yeah. So give us a little bit of your background, Brian. I know it. I know. I said only 20 to 30 minutes. Your background is phenomenal. It really is. It's inspiring. It's, it's uh, some, some highs, some lows, some defeats, and some uh, gracious victories as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it's not dissimilar to other entrepreneurs, startups, small business owners, it's always interesting to like follow the path to see what led them to where they got to where they are now. Mm. I've been, as I mentioned to you multiple times, a self-employed business owner for about 30 years, which mm. literally means I've never actually had a job, <laughs> which kind of puts me in a sort of a unique position. Sort of the in, in, the upper echelon, in the upper echelon. Not an actual job. So, like, you know, during college, you know, when I was in college, it was, you know, fast food restaurant here, mm. uh, small, you know, maybe working at a, you know, renting a car, at a car rental place for a month or two, but not a, not a real grown up job. I think mm. about the time I was, uh, you know, 19 or 20 years old is when I started, you know, kind of following my natural inclination to be self-employed and I had the curse I guess you could call it (laughs) of having like absolutely no respect for authority not wanting to have a boss not wanting to be in that situation where I had to bow to the wishes of somebody else and (laughs) do do you have any of that yet (laughs) I never will and and I call it a curse because Mm -hmm. you know I've got a couple of teenage daughters and I can't think of the worst possible thing Mm -hmm. that they could be afflicted with is that I cannot have a normal job. I have to be an entrepreneur. I have to start a business. It is not for everyone. I mean, if you're fine with, uh, you know, taking less money than what you could have had otherwise, if you're okay with, you know, endless hours of work and with very little reward Mm -hmm. at some point, if you can tolerate, you know, failures, you know, Mm -hmm. that that's fine, whatever, just know going in that it's not, you know, the idea of just saying, I'm going to be my own business owner and all is great. I don't think that many people think that it's that way, but it's like absolutely not. Um, Huge amounts of work, uh, major amounts of risk. Um, If you're in a position where you've got nothing to lose, then you're probably going to almost have an advantage. And that's where I was. It wasn't like, you know, I came from a family that had, you know, no wealth, no 
even remote chance of, of assisting me going through school or giving me a, even even a little bit of money or, or any sort of assistance or even, frankly, wisdom or guidance, honestly, mm-hmm. from my parents. They didn't have even the slightest notion of how to tell, you know, how to instruct me, here's what you need to do to be successful in life. They had no, nothing to offer. So it was sort of off on my own. And um, it, it, was, it was almost an advantage because you have nothing to lose. So there's nothing to risk. Do you think 30 years ago that the perception or the dream or the image of being a quote-unquote business owner, how would you compare that to the person today that you see, someone who is 19 years old, who says that she or he's going to work for himself forever. Yeah, you know what's funny is that in so many ways, I think a lot of people think that, wow, I really missed those opportunities. If I would have been alive back then, I could have done this or that. Mm-hmm. There's never been a time where it's easier to start your own business or to do something. And that obviously has a lot to do with the web and technology mm-hmm. and you know the gig economy and all those things. It's like there's so many more options to do that. When I when I kind of got started, I would say late '80s, the technology was minimal. I mean, we mm-hmm. technically had computers, but it wasn't like you could open up a web, website, right. sell things online. There was, none of that technology existed. So, being a business owner then, it, it kind of meant that you had to put you had to grind. Mm-hmm. It meant, hey, it's Saturday, and I need to go out and print out flyers mm-hmm. and walk around all these business complexes and put them on people's doors. There wasn't right. any. Uh, you know, easy path to where you could literally, you couldn't be a business owner and stay in your apartment. Right. Right. Unless you were doing telemarketing or something like that. Today you could technically, you could be a very, very busy person Mm -hmm. and never get out of your chair. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't a thing back then. Right. So I don't know if that makes it, you know, harder or less hard, but it's certainly easier. There's less barriers, I believe, to sort of break into this idea that I'm going to be a business owner. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen often, but yeah, in theory, mm-hmm. you could start a YouTube channel, you could start a podcast, you could build a website, you could do that mm-hmm. and become successful um, without really ever leaving your house. Right. I think the biggest difference, though, is the the second place trophy or, or the, the, the team that comes in the last place still gets a participation trophy. There's that need for that immediate type of reward. <laughs> And I think what you kind of hit on was like that hustle to go out and actually put out those flyers door to door. Right. In my opinion, I don't know if this generation, your daughters are phenomenal. My daughters are phenomenal. Of course we're going to say that. We're going to say that. They're awesome. They're awesome, but they work their butts off. And we know a few people, I'm not going to discourage them, categorize a whole millennial. Right. But the thing is, is that the participation trophy is one of those things where it's like, all I got to do is show up and I'm going to get rewarded. Yeah. No, the values of what people even care about, the whole millennial generation, we're all over the place here, but that's okay. Um, It's definitely changed. And I don't know if that's, you know, all for the better or all for the worse. I think Mm -hmm. every generation looks at the ones that follow them and say, whoa, back in my day, we did it this way. I don't know what's right and what's wrong. I do know that uh, millennials have a different, um, they, have, they value things differently. Whereas our generation, it was about, you know, whether you're in the 80s or early 90s, it was about the bottom line, money, right. money, right? And, that, you know, at the time, that was sort of the thing. These days, it's about work-lifestyle balance and, you know, what what am I doing that helps the greater good? Is it, you know, uh, socially conscious? I mean, there's all these other factors, I think, that um, this generation, the, the millennial generation, which is probably the majority of people that are really excited about starting something new, mm-hmm. um, they're just wired slightly differently. And I don't know if that's a necessarily a negative. I mean, it's just right. in, in all of them are the same way. There's a few, I mean, a few 
that seem to still have uh, you know, more of a traditional thought process about what success looks like. But if you ask your typical, you know, thirty-year-old, what does success look like? I don't even know if money is going to be the first thing on the list. Right. I think it's going to be lifestyle, work balance, and I want an impact. I want to feel. I want to do something I feel good about. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You know, it's not. I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. But their motivations of you know why they're even starting their own business in mm-hmm. a lot of cases mm-hmm. is very different than it would have been back when we were probably right. first you know trying right. getting into that world. Yeah, I'm, I'm not afraid to tell people that one of my biggest motivations money. Sure, I want to be able to do what I want to do. I don't go out and I splurge or do this and that, whatever. But I want to be able to. If my daughters need something, right here, you know. Money equals security. Money equals you being able to choose the life you lead. I think there was that expression. It's like, money can't buy you happiness, but it can let you decide what kind of sadness you have to live in. I'm going to be sad on a beach somewhere. Right, yeah. Yeah, and at least it doesn't add a whole other layer of stress. Yeah. You know, like, how am I going to pay my bills when you're trying to, like, focus on other things? And by no means am I uh, saying not to do anything for the greater good. I do. I just don't publicize it. Yeah, and so I've always thought that starting and running a successful business, and I have, you know, 23 employees, mm-hmm. I think that is for the greater good. Yeah. Because of my yeah. hard work and the vision and the extra hours and all that work that I put in, those people now have careers and mm-hmm. they're able to produce income and raise their families and save and, yeah. you know, move along their own paths towards whatever ultimate goal they have. I think that's an amazing contribution. And one, one thing you're keeping out is how many people you've employed. Right. It's going to the University of Webmo. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we, we, we have the uh, you know, we, we have the, the sort of a unique scenario where we get to we get to hire very bright young people. You mm-hmm. know, the college degree, they got a degree in marketing, and you know, two years after working in like really being in the industry, their LinkedIn profiles and their resumes. Mm-hmm are impeccable so yeah. they get poached which yeah. I'm okay with that yeah. I mean I, I, I as a business owner and doing it as long as I have and being you know sort of like at the point in my life not that old but you know 50 whatever um, it's not just the money I actually do find a lot of gratification in mm-hmm. the over the years hundreds honestly mm-hmm. of uh, young employees or whatever that I've been able to employ and give the experience of having a positive work environment and hopefully a good role model and yeah. understanding of what it should be like out there. And again, just helping them advance their, uh, you know, their technical skills, their soft skills, which is right. another topic, right. you know, the, the things that people entering the workforce today don't right. really have, you know, already able to use that we might've had in yeah. the workforce, yeah. like phone skills. Right. Your average 23 year old has probably logged a total of maybe three hours of phone time in their entire <laughs> life. Right? Because you don't yeah. have to talk on the phone. It's right. Like, that's the last thing the world are going to do. Right. Whereas when I was 23, that's all we did. Right. It was the phone. That was our only form of communication right. if you weren't in front of somebody. Yeah. So it's fascinating to me that it, you know, something that came natural to us, like here, here's how to have a phone call, or here's how to greet somebody. And it's just not something that's necessarily a natural thing for them to do. That's okay. You just have to train them. Yeah. It works out. Yeah. Who have you employed has gone to the best success, do you think? Do, do, do you know like somebody's story? Who- oh, yeah. No, we've had, uh, over the years, there's been some awesome success stories. Mm-hmm. One of the very earliest uh, people that we brought in was back when we were mostly doing IT support. Mm-hmm. You know, computer. And it was, you know, it was a pretty... Uh, hot industry at the time, mm-hmm. um, this dude, guy, buddy of mine, um, he had already been, you know, to college, hadn't quite finished, didn't really know which direction he wanted to go. 
and he was fascinated by the tech. And he's mm-hmm. like, I, you know, and he was an awesome guy. He was just an, this engaging, super accommodating, good dude. Mm-hmm. And my philosophy at the time was like, if you have really good personality, if you have good, strong skills or whatever, mm-hmm. I don't care if you have literally no understanding of technology. Mm-hmm. I can teach you that. Mm-hmm. I will, if you care enough, it's always been for me the two A's, attitude and aptitude. If you have the right attitude and you're willing to do things, and if you have at least the basic aptitude, I don't, I'm not saying that everyone can become an engineer or can mm-hmm. become a programmer or mm-hmm. can become a whatever. If you have the aptitude for it, though, which is basically my way of defining that is the ability to absorb the information and do it or whatever. Yeah. If I see those two qualities, I'll take a chance on you. Yeah. And this guy was like that. And sure enough, um, even though he never became like what you would consider a you know, rock star genius, clients loved him. He'd be the kind of person that could walk in. The company at the time was an IT services company, so we had a team they would basically go to people's offices, repair computers, do whatever, set up networks at the time. You know, this was like in the early two thousand, late late nineteen nineties, mm-hmm. um, up until about two thousand. Um, he became very good at that, like really, really solid. Then nine eleven, mm-hmm. big event, right? Yeah, he had a calling. He he basically had now all these these hard skills, like these really good IT skills. He really understood um, computer infrastructure. Um, mm-hmm. At the beginning, it was the beginning of like Cisco related um, internet communication type things. Mm. So he finishes his degree at the U of A, took him like six months and went into the FBI. Oh wow. So he is now currently pretty high up in the FBI because he was (laughs) part of the cyber crimes division. Wow. He had zero, no understanding of even the slightest bit of technology. Mm -hmm. He was just an average guy that was, you know, pre-law and, you know, then Mm -hmm. they think about it, Mm -hmm. but because he had the right, attitude and he wanted to learn it, he learned just incredible amounts of skill wow. and you know, he and he, above and beyond, he went and got certifications and like really understood those things. So by the time he applied for the FBI, there was of course a huge demand for people that had technical yeah. leading stuff. So it was, you know, as a side note, he was also, for lack of a better word, kind of a badass. Mm-hmm. So even though he was like 34 at the time mm-hmm. when he got recruited, he went into their, uh, their boot camp, you know, what they do the equivalent mm-hmm. at Quantico. He kicked everyone's butt. All these twenty-two-year-olds or whatever. He still beat them on all the obstacle course wow. stuff, yeah. everything. Because he was just a, he was an athlete. He was just a really physical guy. And after he was in the FBI for like a year or so, he's like, "Yeah, I kind of went into the cyber crimes thing, but I found out I found out I really love beating people's asses. <laughs> I like breaking into somebody's home, taking down a bad guy." It's like it's just fun. I'm like, wow, it sounds fun. That's cool. Yeah, That's not, cool. not to say that the FBI is abusing people, but no, 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 no. no. If they're resisting arrest, you, you, you put that on my podcast. Right. <laughs> I didn't name names. We didn't name names. So I mean, if if you were, you know, to offer somebody who's going to get into a business today, you know, whether it's widgets the widgets or even your business or my business marketing or whatever it is. I mean, what do you think would be the top two, three, four, whatever pieces of advice that you would offer? So I I listened to a podcast or maybe it was a YouTube video and I heard, I don't even know the guy's name, but he actually presented the top three qualities that a successful entrepreneur 
slash business owner mm -hmm. should have. Mm -hmm. And to me, they were really interesting. They were very counterintuitive to what most people always say. Right. Right? You always think, right. oh, you have to be a hard worker, do yeah. something you love or whatever. Yeah. But these three qualities to me rang absolutely true. Mm -hmm. Number one, you have to be sort of cynic. You have to be one of those people that doesn't necessarily buy into what everyone else is saying. You have to be the one that says, hmm, that might not be right. I think there's a better way to do this. Being skeptical and mm -hmm. always like kind of questioning the status quo mm -hmm. to me is, and if you think about it, that is kind of what an entrepreneur is. It's mm -hmm. basically looking at looking around the landscape and saying, huh, I bet you I could have a better restaurant than that guy. Right. Or Uber, what a dumb idea. I can do it better. Right. Or this website sucks. I could build a better website that's going to do that. Yeah. So you're just naturally got this cynical sort of um, mindset to where you honestly aren't just a sheep. You're not mm -hmm. just buying into what everyone else is saying. Mm -hmm. And again, I heard that. I'm like, gosh, you know, that sounds on the surface like it would be a negative quality, right? Like somebody that's cynical. But in reality, all it really means is that you have enough faith in, I guess, in your ability mm -hmm. to feel like you might have a better idea. And that is actually sort of cynicism. It's sort of going against the flow right. and saying that, you know, I think I can do it better. So that was one of the qualities. The second one was like I said, counterintuitively, mm -hmm. insecurity. Mm -hmm. So if you're the kind of person that is constantly thinking, I cannot rest on my laurels, mm -hmm. things are okay. That's me. Same. Yeah. It's absolutely the same. I don't care if I've reached this level. Yeah. I'm looking six months ahead and I'm stressed. Yeah. Because I don't want to just think that nothing bad is going to happen. What were you and I talking about before we started this? Right. What are we going to do next year? Right. What are we going to do next year? Yeah. We're not, it, it's not okay just to think that everything is no. okay. Yeah. So, but again, if you talk to most of these gurus or whatever, it's like confidence and love <laughs> what you're doing with No, it's insecurity. 50 push ups it, and some it, eggs. You know, it, it's that squirrel that's kind of just like squirreling away the nuts and making sure that their butts are covered, um, looking at all the angles and making sure they're not in a vulnerable position to lose market share or lose right. a customer right. or drop or whatever, whatever they've been doing. And I'm like, yeah, that's true too. Insecurity is probably a better way to put it because the minute you stop being insecure, that means that you're, I guess to the point where you're patting yourself on the back and you're letting your guard down and guess what's going to happen then? What minute of the day do you start feeling insecure? Wait, what, what minute of the day? Mine is right at three minutes. Yeah. I wake up, I got my STP on my yeah. arm, and then right when that song is done, I'm like, ah, oh, crap, I need to get up and get to work. Yeah. <laughs> no, for me, for me, it's like, I, you know, I, I, I want to find the problems and I want to tackle the problems. Like, mm. if you have a sense of nervousness, like, okay, I'm nervous and I don't know why, find out what it is that is like make, giving you that feeling of insecurity mm -hmm. and break it down and then follow the basic advice that exists everywhere. If it's something that you can, do mm -hmm. to change it, do it. Yeah. If it's nothing, if it's something that's out of your control, let it go. I think it's the, uh, the AA motto. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, yeah. You know, you know, if it's in, if, if it's something I can do about it, do it. If it's not, just let it go. If it's under my control, control it. If it's mm -hmm. not, don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, insecurity. That, and that is a common denominator between those, between most successful business owners that I've seen. Yeah. The third one, which is a little more obvious, but it's audacity. Mm -hmm. It's basically just doing stuff. And if someone says, what do you think you're doing? What, right. Who do you think you are? You right. have no right to do that. Right. And, and it's like, yeah, that's exactly it. You have to think in a way that goes, that makes other people mm. go, what? Yeah. How can you, how can you think that you're going to be able to do that when no one else could? Right. That's not very audacious. Right. That's not, that, that's audacity to find basically. It's just yeah. doing something that makes other people say, 
What the hell? You can't claim to be the best blank and whatever. Right. You, you don't know. You could curse on the show, Brian. Come on. <laughs> no, but it, this is audacious. You're saying, right. I'm going to define what it is, and I'm going to go so um, over and above the top that it's it, it's basically mm-hmm. swinging for the fences. This is my version of audacity. I was 19 years old, mm-hmm. and my brother and I at the time. We figured out the formula, which is you know was pretty common at the time, to how how to buy real estate mm-hmm. with zero money. Nineteen, Basically, yeah, nineteen years old. Who the hell did we think we were? <laughs> but by, by, by the time I was twenty, we owned something like seventeen properties, and a lot of them in the downtown area, because we figured this out. Who the freaking hell did we think we were to do that? It was very audacious. You're the freaking Lawson Brothers. That's your. I mean, we even put like big signs on the buildings we were restoring. We just, it was just. I mean, another way to put it would be balls. Yeah. You just got to just have ridiculous, over the top. And again, you have to combine it with other things. You can't. You can't be right. irresponsible. Mm-hmm. You can't lie. You can't present yourself in a way that's not true. Mm-hmm. But you really do have to be thinking in a very audacious way. And then, and then, so I heard those three. Yeah. And then the last fourth one that I put on there, that my, on my personal list, mm-hmm. is you have to have the mindset of what I would call a disruptor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a market disruptor is somebody who like looks at the landscape and says, okay, uh, everyone else is doing this. What can I do to ruin it for all of you? Right. Perfect right. example. Right. GoDaddy. Yeah. When GoDaddy came out, Companies were charging $40, $50, $100 a month for hosting, mm-hmm. and everyone was paying it just to host your website. Yeah. It was not even a, no one even considered it a big deal. Right. This is like as recent ago as like 10 years. Then they come along, it's like, nope, hosting's, you know, $9. Yeah. And their competition's like, what are you doing? You've ruined it for all of us. Yeah. You're a market disruptor. Yeah. If you see a situation where you can come in, and even if it's not like exceedingly profitable for you, if the, mm-hmm. if, if the result of what you did, damages everyone else's business model, you're probably on the right track. Right. And it sounds kind of brutal, but it's like, it, but it is. It's that whole idea of being a disruptor. You want to find those areas where you can come in and just wreck shit. Yeah. I mean, you want to just come yeah. in there and go, thanks a lot. Yeah. You just ruined it for our entire yeah. industry because now yeah. you're doing this in a way. Yeah. And you can see that happening over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like, you know, Travelocity disrupted massively, you know, yeah. the travel industry. Yeah. What did Napster do? They completely right. disrupted the music right. industry. You can go on and on and on and on. And examples like that where market disruptors are the ones who ultimately have an advantage. So if you think like that, you're probably on the right track. Yeah, you know, for myself, not to toot my own horn here, but that market disruptor, I mean, my rates are my rates. And comparatively speaking to other local bigger businesses, they charge three, four, or five times the amount. Right. And I'm like, what? Are you, you know what? Do what you do. Yep. I'll do what I do. I'll do my stuff way better than you. Yep. And my brand and my name is just preceding itself now. Yeah. And, and there's so many pockets of business. And, you know, in our world, it's digital marketing. Right. We just, we haven't talked about that. But yeah, my company does, you know, things related mm-hmm. to Google and YouTube, mm-hmm. whatever. And in our industry, there are many, many others. Um, specifically like traditional marketing agencies Mm -hmm. and you know, the newspapers and radio stations, I don't need to name names, but there's no shortage of them. Yeah. Their entire business model Mm -hmm. is based on the fact that their client is ignorant. Yeah. They're really hoping that their customer will never figure out reality. And if you're depending on that, someone will come in and flatten you because eventually their clients will figure out they don't need to pay eight, $10 
you know, thousand dollars a month for some digital marketing package right. that if they just did themselves through Google would cost them a thousand dollars. Yeah. And if, if yeah. your business model is based on that, your days are numbered. I told you this story a few times. I walked into a client's office and their accountant or the business owner would literally show me an invoice and it'd be close to a thousand dollars. And they're like, Sean, what are they doing for me on Facebook? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. For months. Yep. For months, and then you hit the, the 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 nail on the head. It's like they're feeding off ignorance. Yeah, I mean, there's an expression for it. They're surviving on pockets of ignorance. Mm-hmm. Just pockets, pockets, right? It's not. It, it's like they. It's a, I mean, but that's yeah. not a business plan. No. I get it. You know, they're old school. They're, there's yeah. a transition happening right now. Yeah. Traditional things, and it's not just now. It's been this way since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. There's always a sector. It's on its way out, and mm-hmm. there's always a sector that's on its way in. The sector that's on its way out holds on like grim death, yeah. and they try to find a way to hold on, hold their market share. And sometimes they do, mm-hmm. but mostly they don't. And you think about like AOL; they had the opportunity if they really had seen enough for Blockbuster, right. Blockbuster Video. They had the opportunity to own that market, and if they could have understood that we need to migrate over to this model, yeah. they'd still be around today. Yeah. But there was that transition where you know AOL or Blockbuster was losing market share to the new up-and-comers, Netflix mm-hmm. or all the different internet service providers or whatever, where they they were surviving on their pockets of ignorance yeah. until then they yeah. had their day, and then suddenly it just disappeared. The real reason why Blockbuster went downhill was because I wrote my last college paper about them, <laughs> how phenomenal <laughs> they were. <laughs> You gave them your blessing, and that yeah. was it. For them. Your, your third point the audacity. I don't know if you ever experienced it because you've always been a business owner. Right. But with, and this is one thing that I hope I, the audience I want to reach is if you're out there and you know that you have the talent, the ability, and the support to start your own business, it, it, part of that is quote unquote having that audacity to believe that your circle of friends now if you take that leap forward, are not going to be the same in six, 12 months. My circle of friends, when I started my business, vanished. They're all gone. You know, my my circle of friends include yourself and other people that I love being around because of our mindset and our motivation and And our taste in beer, our taste in beer, you know. And but the thing is, like four years ago, I was hanging out with people every weekend at one of each other's house, grilling carne asada, having tortillas and staying out till three in the morning. And it, it was a lot of fun. But once I started my business, Brian, I mean, they want nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. It, it was because you're driven. Uh, well, I mean, they were driven too, to get, but yeah. but they're driven to stay in their own job. And a lot of these people are, are brilliant. They could do whatever they want. You know, it's not. It's the hardest thing to do to like like skip the rails of your life. You know, you're on this train track. You know, you're yeah. going your distance yeah. or whatever to like dislodge from that and go into a completely dis- different direction, especially after a certain period of time. Yeah. If I had a son or daughter mm-hmm. that did have that entrepreneurial bug, I would yeah. absolutely encourage it. And I'd be like, bring it on. And I'm, I need yeah. to do it the right way. But I would really encourage them to do it early on when they didn't have anything to lose. Cause it's right. so much harder. Or I guess the other time to do it would be way later on. You know, if you were already, wealthy you've already had a long business career and you could just know like hey, i got a nest egg it's now time to go explore all these things or just, that would be okay just think of it though if one of our kids wanted to start their own business how much of an advantage would they have yeah it wouldn't even be fair 
already have a web mo in place. Yeah, it, would, <laughs> it would be an unfair advantage, and, and also they'd be preying upon my fatherly instincts to not see them. Fall. The best thing you could do is not help them. Out I know, but I could never do it. No, like, how to ride a bike. I couldn't just be like, "Go!" They'd roll, have to be there. They'd roll out with a twenty-five thousand dollars website, yeah. and this and that, and yeah. No, but neither one of them is programmed that way, and I'm actually very grateful for that. I wouldn't want. Yeah. I wouldn't want to put some of my worst enemies through the torture mm-hmm. of, of the early startup stuff that you have to go through. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. I mean, I think I counted, I've actually had seven, yeah, seven different businesses that all led to mm-hmm. what is now probably, you know, probably my last business. I can't envision yeah. doing anything else going yeah. forward. And it's for good reason. I mean, it's a very successful, very good business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's sort of like everything I did for all those years gave me, the ingredients that I needed to be so like effective at what yeah. we're doing today. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, the fact that I spent most of the nineties and early two thousands mm-hmm. working with small business owners because of their computers, I became at least somewhat familiar with just about every single kind of business out there. I yeah. kind of understand the dental yeah. industry. I kind of yeah. understand auto. I kind of understand construction. Right. I kind of understand. I understand all of it because I'm the one that set up their computers. Yeah. So now when I'm talking to business owners about their marketing, they're like, wait, you actually understand? You can talk the lingo. Yeah. I can talk the lingo, right? And yeah, it's almost an unfair advantage. And you get this guy that's kind of seen it all. Versus, I guess, whatever the competition looks like, maybe mm-hmm. some you know mm-hmm. sales rep for some other yeah. agency or whatever. Yeah. It, it's it, it is a, a very valuable thing to have, but but it came at a cost. Right. It's not something you can just have right out of the gate. It came right. from being, you know, from you know sacrifice or whatever. And I don't want to be melodramatic. I wouldn't trade my life for anyone. I, right. I wouldn't right. go back and say, oh boy, I wish I would have had a Fortune 500 company job yeah. all these years. Yeah. I've always loved being self-employed. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. There's no, for me, it's not even the money. The money, you know, eventually comes. You know, if you stay with something long enough, and if you have um, the right mindset mm-hmm. about how to deal with other people mm-hmm. and how to approach. You know, I, I don't want to call it sales, but like no matter what business you're in, mm-hmm. at some point you're in a position where you have to influence somebody to buy into whatever you're doing. Right. And the word sales has kind of gotten a negative connotation. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're in sales. Like you're right. like you're a pimp or like some right. negative thing. Right. So let's not even use the word sales. No. Let's say it's business development. Let's say that you're pitching to an investor or you're just in a bar mm-hmm. and you're explaining to somebody what it is you do. Mm-hmm. You're selling. You yeah. really are. Yeah. You really are selling. And what I've found, and this isn't going to be true for everyone, but the people that I that I've met over the years that have truly figured it out, that are really effective and also happy mm-hmm. at, 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 at really, I'll, I'll, I'll use the word, at selling mm-hmm. whatever it is they are. Like I said, if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, you are a salesperson. Yeah, we have a mutual yeah. acquaintance, and I won't yeah. name names. Yeah. and she. Now you know what I'm talking about. Younger said, "I don't want to be in sales." I'm like, "You're right. a young startup, right? You're selling." Right. Whether you know it or not, yeah. when you walk into a room and you're convincing them that you're the right person for this job, yeah. you're selling. It yeah. doesn't mean that you're lying. It doesn't mean you're tricking. It doesn't right. mean that you're trying to manipulate somebody. Right. It means that you're effectively articulating mm-hmm. the reasons why you really are mm-hmm. the best person to mm-hmm. do this thing. Mm-hmm. So don't be ashamed of it. Don't don't like dismiss it as being a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So 
the three qualities, I'm going to do the three thing again, because mm-hmm. there's like three specific things that I feel you need to be really effective. And I will say it at selling. Mm-hmm. Number one, you have to actually know what the hell you're talking about. If you're, that eliminates 99% of people. If you have mastered your craft. Especially in your industry, Brian. It, oh, in, my, in every industry. I don't care if you're talking home sales. I don't care if you're talking car sales, uh, insurance, whatever. There are some really dim bulbs that just don't understand what they're talking about. Did I tell you in my first workshop or presentation I saw on Google and SEO? No. We won't name the company, but she was literally pouring water. This is your business without SEO and keywords on your website. And then she put like little tablets of like oh, wow. purple uh, pills in it. Mm. And this is what it looks like with an optimized website. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't care if you're selling home cleaning services. Yeah. I don't care if you're selling vacation rentals. I don't care if you're selling real estate. I don't care if you're selling cars. Know your product because right. I can guarantee you, like that story you just told, yeah. somebody's going to see right through your bullshit. Yeah. If you don't really know your stuff, so do what it takes to truly master your craft. There's no substitute for that. Right. And, and there's some industries where it's obvious that you have lightweights. Mm-hmm. And if you're perceived as a lightweight, you've got such a disadvantage, they'd have to absolutely love you and so, for some other reason mm-hmm. to take you seriously. Right. And, and honestly, it's the one thing that everybody can do. If you just dedicate the time to fully understand the thing it is that you're trying to convince them, mm-hmm. and house painters, uh, you know, people that like engineer sound systems, people that sell beer, whatever, right? The best ones, and you'll agree with me, absolutely. The ones they really know their shit. Yeah, they really understand. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're opening a brewery, you really understand right. beer, right? So that's number one. Number two is that you have to be passionate. Mm-hmm. If you are like. If you don't give a crap, why should they? Right. But if you're knowledgeable and you really care about it, if you and it doesn't mean that you have to be, you know, jumping up and down with enthusiasm, mm-hmm. but people can see whether you're passionate about something. If you're passionate, it comes across in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You're a believer. You're almost a zealot. You're almost over the top. You've been, mm-hmm. you're a convert, right? Right. So, and again, thinking about people that are really effective and also, and I'm going to put this in there content with their job or their, or their, you know, career and, and, and being an entrepreneur, which is like sales, mm-hmm. they have to, they have to be able to express that. Like we have a mutual acquaintance. that's a real estate agent. Yeah. Passion, right? Absolutely. Thoroughly passionate. She probably can learn more and more and more about the craft, mm-hmm. but there's no denying her passion. The third thing, and this is where it gets a little controversial because there's plenty of examples of successful <laughs> people who don't have this quality. Right. But to me, it's integrity. Yeah. If you approach every transaction and you're truly recommending something that's in their best interests, mm-hmm. you're going to sleep well. Right. You're going to feel good about what you did. Yeah. And if you don't, you're probably going to get away with that for a while. Yeah. And there's industries where you can be very disingenuous and very dishonest mm-hmm. and you can make a really good, you can make a good career out of that for a very long time. I mean, I, I knew that from being in the IT world. Right. And certainly in the marketing world. Thank you for listening to The Sean Campbell Show. Follow us on Instagram at The Sean Campbell Show.